In the first shot of the popular ABC TV show Lost, Jack Shepard, one of the main characters, wakes up in a bamboo forest next to a white tennis shoe. And then six seasons later, on the last episode of the show, he stumbles out of the woods. Spoilers! He dies in the same spot where he woke up next to the white tennis shoe. And sometimes writers tease something way ahead of time. They foreshadow something that they're going to get to later. Um, since we started this series on the character and nature of God, we've introduced each message with a short teaser walking through an art museum. And you're probably like, why is that the teaser for a sermon series about the nature and character of God? We're going to answer that today by talking about how God is an artist. We've known where we're going the whole time. The whole series about the character and nature of God has been building, has been crescendoing to this moment where we talk about God as an artist. We've talked about how God is Jesus. He's slow to anger. He's gracious. His name is Yahweh. He's a triune community. He's mysterious and he's love. But I think one of the most intriguing elements of God is how he acts like and relates to us and describes himself as an artist. For the past few months, I've been working at the Mainline Art Center, at least until I was furloughed this week on because of the virus. Um, and my job there has been to set up art classrooms for teachers as they teach painting and drawing and uh, different art classes. And I make sure that they have everything they need and the students have everything they need to learn art. And so many times I'll go in and I'll talk to a teacher and I'm like, how many easels do you need? And what I want them to do is give me a number, like the number seven or 12. And instead, what they usually do is they go on and on about how easels are used and they're gonna have to think about it and the history of easels and maybe they need this special drawing table that we don't have and they don't give me clear, definite answers. I want a number and they often want a dialogue or they want to imagine or they, they want to talk in all these terms that don't give me the information I need to do my job. I've quickly found out that artists can be frustrating, just the way that their minds work, the way that they think, the way that they communicate. They don't give me clear, direct, specific answers. Our brain has two hemispheres, the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere. Uh, the left hemisphere is associated with math and science and rational thought, and the right hemisphere is associated with creativity and with art. And um, every person uses both hemispheres. It's not like you don't need half, that you only use half. But people seem to favor one or the other. I'm very left-brained. I'm very rational, very logical, analytical even. Um, but Darby is much more right-brained. She's very creative and musical and artistic. Left-brained people favor logic and reason and rational thought. And right-brained people favor emotion and creativity and art. And I think most of us are expecting to encounter a left-brained God, but instead we encounter a right-brained God who is very artistic and creative, and he refuses to obey our expected rational, logical thought patterns that we think he should relate to us in. 
We expect God to give us a lecture in a classroom setting about who he is, but instead he invites us to experience him in a hands-on project called life. We want scientific facts and figures explaining God and what he's like and how he's going to behave. And instead, he gives us emotions and feelings. He gives us word pictures and stories. Now, in the West, we've decided the best way to gain understanding or knowledge or learning is to um, is through rationalism. And we think that the best way to encounter God is through rationalism as an extension of the Enlightenment, that we need to parse out all the facts and factors and make a decision about truth. But the God of the Bible is an artist, and he refuses to be pigeonholed into our modern intellectual paradigms. The image of Yahweh, the name of God, this triune community of love, it, this picture of him as an artist is all throughout the Jewish and Christian scriptures. Here are just some of the examples of Yahweh being described as an artist in the Old and New Testaments. In Genesis chapter 1, God creates the world in this beautiful opening poem to the entire Bible. And as he creates, he keeps stepping back and saying, that's good. That's good. This is an excellent representation of my work. That's such an artist move to step back, to take a look at your work, your work of art from a different angle and say, yes, that's good. I'm not going to change that. That's how it should be. In Zephaniah 3.17, it says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves you. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will not rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. It's this picture of God singing over those that he loves. In Isaiah 64.8, it says, But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. All of us are the work of your hand. At the art center, they have uh, pottery and sculpture making and people throw clay on this wheel and they're spinning it and they're shaping it. And that's how God describes what he does in your life, in your world. In Exodus 35, 31 and 32, it says that he has filled them with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver and bronze. Having the Spirit of God in you, on you, on these workmen in the Old Testament resulted in them displaying artistic gifts. The Spirit, the nature of God, is to perform art. In Psalm 19.1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Every morning, every sunrise, every sunset is a beautiful painting displayed all across the world. Every day is different. And it's a display of God's artistry at work. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, We are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. And the picture that Paul paints here is that God has handcrafted us as followers of Jesus. He's molding us. He's shaping us. He's carving us to look more and more like Jesus so that we can do more and more good. Uh, the book of Revelation describes the music and the singing, the instruments and the voices that are raised in song in the throne room of God, that all around God is constantly music. 
The Psalms take up a huge chunk of the Old Testament. There are 150 Psalms, and we've been doing a Psalm every day to encourage you. And these were literally songs that were sung in the temple by Jewish worshipers of Yahweh. 27% um, of the entire Bible is poetry. Isn't that interesting? It's not 27% is scientific facts. No, 27% is poetry. And Jesus himself, when he became a man and dwelt on this earth with us, his trade, his profession was a carpenter. And in those days, that involved some woodwork, but it was a lot of stonework. He was actually sculpting stone and shaping it for buildings and for walls and for structures and for um, containers. And so he was a wood and stone worker before becoming a rabbi. Appreciating the art is key to getting to know the artist. If we want to know what God is like, we need to consider the work of his hands. In Romans 1, verses 18 through 23, it says this. Since what can be known about God is evident among them, because God has shown it to them, for his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse, for though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they actually turned into fools. And they exchanged, they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Henry Ward Beecher says, every artist dips their brush into their own soul and paints their very nature into their pictures. If that's true, if art ends up showing us who we are deepest inside, then I think the art of our artist God reveals something about his nature and character and being. I think God has clearly revealed his character and nature through his art. Now, that's what Paul says here in um, verse 20. He says, the invisible attributes of God, his character and nature have been clearly seen. Now, you might say, clearly seen, Alex, I haven't seen God clearly show up or clearly show his character and nature. What are you talking about clearly seen? There is nothing clear about God. One of my English professors who actually helped me become a much, much better writer, I came into college thinking, I'm a pretty good writer. And uh, my first paper, she gave me a D and she was like, you're not a good writer. You're an average writer. And uh, it forced me to want to become better. And I remember when I finally got an A in her class, I was like, yes, I'm finally getting better. It was an A minus, but I never got better than an A minus, but I eventually got to an A minus. Um, and something she would always say is, and she would say this over and over again, when I wrote a paper, when I wrote a story, when I wrote a poem, and she would say, show me, don't tell me. I want you to show it, don't say it. She said, great writers show their readers, they don't simply tell them. They show, they don't say. And God is a great artist. And he has shown us his character through nature and through creation, through our experiences with him, rather than simply telling 
us. Now, in our rational Western way of thinking, we think telling us, just straight out telling us would be better. But we're excusing or we're it's thinking that we're better than much of the Eastern world that favors a more relational, a more showing us experience with God. So many of you like me are under stay at home orders or under quarantine. And um, I love board games. It's one of my favorite ways to pass time. And uh, one of my favorite board games right now is Wingspan. This isn't an advertisement for Wingspan, but hey, Wingspan, Stonemeyer Games, if you're watching and want to send me some more copies, I'll take them. I love this game, and I'll tell anybody who has the money to buy it, go buy it. Order it off of Amazon and have it shipped to your house. There's even a single-player mode. If you don't have anybody to play with, you can actually play it against the game. Anyways, it's a beautiful game. And uh, it's about collecting birds. I know that doesn't sound like a fun bird, uh, fun board game, but it's an amazing game. Every card has a hand-painted bird on it. And something I've found as I've played this game over and over again is that birds have so much variety and diversity, so much beautiful color, and uh, they're just, they're amazing. You look through, there's over 300 cards that come with the game, and each one is a unique bird. Birds are so different and yet so similar. There's so, so much symmetry, but at the same time, so much variety. Uh, if you look at the variety in nature, I think this reveals something about the character and nature of God as an artist. There are 10,000 species of birds. Just let that sink in for a minute. 10,000 different species of birds. There's complexity in nature. There's 332 million nerve cells in a bird brain. Now, for a long time, people would use the phrase bird brain to refer to someone who's stupid because birds had such tiny brains, we assumed that they were not very smart. But now we know that crows and ravens and other birds have highly attuned, highly functioning, compressed brains. They have such a high density of nerve cells, 332 million nerve cells, which is incredible for such a small animal. They can recognize their, their reflection. They can remember faces. They're incredibly smart. Symmetry and unity and beauty in nature also reveal the artistry of God. There's bright colors and pleasant sounds from birds. This is interesting. We don't have to enjoy seeing a beautiful bird. All birds could be brown. They could simply be camouflaged so their predators don't get them. But they're beautiful. They're not just surviving. They're also bringing joy and beauty into the world. I think there's a guiding hand in the development of species, introducing beauty and variety in order throughout every level of nature. I think there's a cosmic artist called God at work on a grand and at the same time a minute scale throughout our universe, throughout the cosmos, throughout reality. We see it in the smallest thing, like a colorful feather on a bird, to the biggest thing, like how all the planets spin together in this like harmony that we can't hear in the heavens.
when Jesus was on earth, people kept asking him, are you the Messiah? Are you the promised savior who's going to restore the relationship between God and man? And uh, Jesus kept saying things like this, the blind see, the lame walk. Those who have been throttled by dark powers have been set free. Those in chains have put off their bondage. People are living in the kingdom of God. The hungry are fed. They wanted him to say, I am the Messiah. Instead, he wanted to show them that he was the Messiah. And some of you are waiting on God to say, I am God. Believe in me, serve me, follow me, become a student of Jesus. But he keeps wanting to show you, show you through other people, show you through experiences, show you through wor his word and through worship. He wants to show you, but you're waiting for him to tell you. Maybe it's time for you to step out and say, God, you don't have to tell me. You've shown me. And I'm going to take a step of faith and believe you. I'm going to trust you. One of my favorite elements of Jesus was um, when he was on earth teaching was that he would tell these stories. We call them parables. And they were little commentaries on what he was doing in his ministry. He would do something and the religious leaders would be like, why are you doing that? You shouldn't be doing that. And he'd be like, let me tell you a story. He wouldn't defend himself. He wouldn't explain to them why he was doing it. He goes, let me tell you a story. And then he would tell them this story that sneaks around their intellect and sneaks around their defenses and ends up penetrating their heart. We often want a God who gives us straight answers. I know many times in my life, I'm like, God, just give me a straight answer. Just make it clear. But we have a God who wants to tell us a story. We have a God who's an artist. He doesn't want to always give us the answers. He wants to tell us a story. See, we want a Bible that's going to be a textbook on the character and the nature of God. But that's not what God has given us. He's given us a Bible that's a collection of narratives and stories, a collection of history and poems and songs and letters. But it tells one cohesive story about a man named Jesus who claimed to be God and who I believe bridged the distance between God and man so that we could live in the presence of the loving Trinitarian community that we call Yahweh. I think that we can become students of Jesus and his way of life, and in doing so, we can enjoy the love, joy, and peace that God has and freely offers to all who will believe on the name of Jesus Christ. Georgia O'Keeffe said, I found I could say things with color and shapes that I couldn't say any other way. Things that there were no words for. Could it be that there are some things that God wants to say to us, some things that God wants to tell us, and he just, there simply weren't words to convey everything that he wanted to say. That words were simply inadequate to convey the meaning and the grandeur of everything he wants us to understand about who he is and what he is like. Could there be some things that are best said through the unspoken truth of art and beauty? I think if God is an artist and he behaves like an artist, that has some interesting ramifications for how we relate to him. If God is an artist, then art becomes a form of prayer. Art becomes a way to creatively communicate with our creator. Art becomes a way for us to become like him. Art is a way to express gratitude to God and appreciation for the beauty that he wove into the world and gratitude for even our ability to understand beauty and to enjoy it. 
So when we write a poem or when we sing a song, when we play an instrument or paint or build, we're echoing the creative strokes of a creator, God. When we're painting, God is painting a painter painting. He created us and now we are creating. When we pick up a brush or a hammer or we lean over a piano, God is picking up the brush alongside us or leaning over the piano with us. He's reaching down to guide our hands as a child mimics his father or mother. Art is how we mimic our creator. Now in verse 22, at the end of this passage, Paul warns that we can begin to worship the art and not the artist. We can love the gift and not the gift giver. People panic when a false god falters and fails. When people have put their trust in something that can't sustain their trust in a time of crisis, they panic. Worship simply means trust. We worry when our trust is in something that is not secure. Someone that is not secure. See, the world is collapsing into fear right now because everything that they trusted in, everything they thought that gave them confidence for, to, for tomorrow has proved incapable of supporting them in this crisis. Worry reveals what we worship, what we trust in, what we long for. Albert Hubbard said, art is not a thing, it is a way. A way to encounter the cosmic artist that paints the color on the irises of our eyes. The God who plants the hairs on our heads and keeps count of how many there are. The God who created 4 million species of flowers, 60,000 species of trees, and 34,000 different species of fish. That God, that artist, wants to be known by you and wants to know you. I am the way, Jesus said to his followers. Come to me, all who are heavy laden and burdened with stress and worry, whose souls feel weighed down by guilt and shame. He says, come to me. I will turn no one away and I will give you rest. Come to the end what do we do with this so god's an artist so what what does that mean for me what should i be taking away from this well first of all art isn't a formula it's an experience and different people are going to experience art in different ways and so don't expect your relationship with jesus to fall into a perfect formula where you simply add one plus one and you get two you're going to have a little bit different experience than i've had and expect god to surprise you and act in ways that you haven't seen Allow him to act in someone else's life differently than he's acted in yours. Ask God to allow you to experience his artistry in your everyday life. Number two, do art, create. 
build something, plant something, grow something, paint something, sing something, play something. When you do, you commune with your creator because he's creative. Finally, trust Yahweh, not anything else, because everything outside of God will ultimately fail you. There's some things you can trust in when things are going well and everything will seem okay. But in a crisis, only God is secure enough. Only Yahweh, the artist, the master artist who created heaven and earth can sustain us when heaven and earth seems to be shaking all around us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you are in control. Because so often things are out of control in our lives. And right now in our world, the world seems completely out of control. Governments have been upturned and our daily schedules and lives have been just completely thrown out of whack. And God, I pray that during this time you remind us of, of your goodness and that you build into us a deep confidence into who you are and what you're like. That the character and nature of you will um, just so pervade every aspect of our lives that we'll know that you love us and you're with us and you're for us. Lord, thank you for putting art into our world, for allowing us to see and appreciate and experience beauty. And I think when we do, we're experiencing a small sliver of your divine glory. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.